You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast, where we celebrate vulnerability and shameless living. No topic is off limits when you're chatting with your besties. Let's own our worth and walk empowered towards truth together. Hey, hey, hey. What up? Episode 20 coming at you of Heart and Soul. Oh my gosh. How's everybody feeling? Week number 767 (laughs) in quarantine. Although we're in phase one, so... We are officially in phase one. We're in the up and up uh, and hopefully out. I feel like ever since that, things have started to just feel a little bit better, more normal. Yeah. Like the fact that we're allowed to to see people again and it not be like sneaky or worried about getting in trouble just <laughs> makes yeah. such a big difference. It really does. I heard the funniest thing from the grocer at Harris Teeter on... It was right before the phase one started. And he was mm-hmm. like, because it was packed. And he was like, well, leave it to America to just end a quarantine because they're bored. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, fair. It's pretty well, funny. <laughs> it's true, but it's a little more layered than that. I know. It was so funny, though. Yeah, I've seen that floating around a little bit. But I think, you know, to each their own. There's a lot of different uh, opinions going around out there. Oh, we are but... living in opinion nation right now. To me, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm glad that we're allowed to be out. I'm glad that we're slowly making some changes because this thing isn't going to just vanish. We're going to have to learn to to live with it. And the whole quarantining in the first place was for a specific reason, not to rid the country of the virus. Correct. So and we need to get acclimated. Yeah. So we're back, baby. And... Um, last week we were like so excited about hopefully the sound quality being better. And then we realized we didn't even plug our mic in. So it was pretty much. Was it not plugged in? It was plugged in, but I don't think it was on. Yeah. So I hope that this is working. But whatever. Hopefully this does. It looks like on the screen, it looks better. It looks better. It sure does. (laughs) (laughs) We're we're really technologically. Oh man. I can't talk. Okay, so we're, we have a review of the week, so we're going to read that before we get into our happy some crappies. This one's from Amanda Ryan S. She got her real name on there. That's impressive. And very impressive. We haven't figured out how that happens. I don't even remember when I, like, how and when I put my username in, but apparently it's my Instagram I don't even name. know what mine is. Um, okay, but her subject says, do yourself a favor and subscribe, and we agree. And she gave us five stars. Thank you very much. She said, let me preface this review by saying I have no relation to these girls at all. I just got lucky by stumbling across this pod, I guess. But with that, I have a few opinions to share. I'm very picky about, I'm very picky with my podcast, but this one is so easy to leave a five-star review for. I've been listening every week since Chelsea and Catherine started podcasting and just now leaving a review. Not cool of me, I know. (laughs) C and K somehow know exactly what topics to touch on that their listeners need to hear for encouragement. And even if the episode isn't a topic that I have a direct experience with, they always find a way to make it relatable in some aspect. You can tell that these girls and their guests have amazing hearts, and that's exactly the type of people who I want to take advice from and listen to speak in a podcast episode every single week. I want to be them when I grow up. (laughs) Please don't ever stop podcasting C&K. We would be lost, Amanda. That's so sweet. I want to be you when I grow up, Amanda. Thank you for leaving that review. That was really really amazing like we always say it's never too late it's never too late to leave a review y'all we're not mad at you if you've been listening from the start that makes us love you even more yeah 
And and we're only 10 away from our goal. We're getting there. Yeah, so come you on. You would think quarantine maybe, maybe would have gotten us there a little quicker. You would think. <laughs> There's a lot of things you would think would have happened in quarantine, but nope. Oh, man. Uh, thank you so much, Amanda. That was so sweet. Yes, that really does mean the world to us. Shall we? Happies and crappies? Yeah. You got Let's me? Do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll start. I didn't really like think too much about it yeah. before we recorded. Um, I was, this is just like a stupid crappy, but I went to the dentist yesterday. Okay. I actually have a couple. Okay. So I went to the dentist yesterday and... Um, I, I went into the weekend thinking that I didn't have a dentist appointment on Monday because Friday I got a phone call from them and they left a voicemail and, and I called back and we were like playing phone tag. A few days before that they had called me and made me reschedule my appointment for Monday because they said per the regulations they could only have one person in the office at a time and they needed to have me come at a different time. Okay. So I said no problem. How about Monday at 12.15? So we made that appointment. Then they called Friday. I don't know what it was about. I left a voicemail. They didn't call me back. But right after, I received a text that said, this is why it was so confusing. Where is it? She's pulling up her phone. Yeah. Um, we were regretfully informing all our patients per the, the latest CDC recommendation. Our office is closed for the safety of our patients and team members. If you're experiencing an emergency, please call our office, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we'll reach out to you to reschedule when we can open. Right. So I got that on Friday and I was like, I'm canceled. I am not going yes. to the dentist. Yes. I am canceled. Something else Very changed fair. in the last couple of days. I don't know if maybe phase one excluded dental. I don't know. So I was just very confused. So I went ahead and set up a photo shoot for yesterday at noon, which I don't uh, normally do, but it was for, um, a family and it was going to be like at their house and everything outside of their house. So I knew that I could work with that time of day. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then I got a text message at 10 o'clock in the morning confirming my appointment at noon. Room. And I was like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. I thought this thing was canceled. Is it? Is it not? Now I'm going to have to call and make sure I don't get charged for a no show. So, and then also move this photo shoot if I have to. So I called, and they're like, no, that was from, like, our May 8th appointment, anything before May 8th. And I was like, well, clearly there's a glitch in your system because I got that text twice. I think I got it again after I got off the phone glitch, with them yesterday. Glitch, alert. You might want to, like, tell your patients that that's not the truth yep. because they're not going to show up. And... Well, fake news. Anyway, so I was just a little frazzled yesterday morning because then I realized I did have to go to the dentist. And you had to reschedule your appointment. Reschedule my photo shoot. Which is the worst. And it worked out. It was all good. And it was an easy dentist appointment. Um, It was weird, though, because you had to wear your mask going in there. And I was like, you're about to have your hands all up in my mouth. So weird, right? Dentist. Okay. Dentist. Dentists. (laughs) Dentists. You know, like... I don't know. You know what I'm thinking, right? Like, it's just, like, such a tough job to have yeah, in Corona. It is. You're just all about them. I respect them, and I'm grateful for them cleaning my teeth. Um, but then, I guess my other crappy is just I'm so, like, annoyed and fed up with all of the mean opinions going around, all the misinformation, all this ridiculousness, because... I'm not going to get too into it or, like, get too political on here, but... 
just for as an example, Macy and I went to lunch yesterday to like pick up pick up curbside and then go back to my house and eat it outside. And so we walked into the place and everyone I won't call out what this place was, but we walked in to order and like half the employees were wearing masks, but only over their mouth. Like their nose was still exposed. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there and I like do my order and I hand her my credit card. She's not wearing gloves either, which again, like again, it's pointless if you if you're not gonna throw them out between each customer. What's the point of even wearing gloves? Right. So I'm not faulting them for that. But she takes my card, swipes my card, gives it back to me, and I'm like, to some point, like, what is the point of all this? Yeah. Right. Like you're wearing a mask just over your mouth. First of not all, not doing much. And then you're taking my card that right. I just touched. Same thing at the grocery store. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're still touching the pin pad. They're not coming down and cle- cleaning that thing every single time someone touches That's it. That's true. So, look, I know there's measures that we can take, but to some extent, I think... We just got to um, live. Yeah. I'm like... The, the, we got to live. This doesn't make any sense anymore. And then we're going to be exposed to so many chemicals and our main system is going to be all out of whack and I don't know. Yeah. We're going to get sick easily off of everything. Yes. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like so much of it. Uh, this whole summer, everyone's just going to be sick from something. Pretty much. And I don't really want that when I have a baby. So um, that's my two cents. But anyway, <laughs> that's my crappy. Um, and then my happy is just that. You know, I'm back in full swing, and phase one is here, and it just feels normal seeing a couple friends to go for walks and sit down and talk with, and it was just, I don't know, just made me feel like we're kind of getting there. and We're getting back to humanization again. Yeah, despite all the other opinions out there, um, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, um, for sure. Mental, mentally, I'm in a way, way better place than I was several weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, I was on the verge of breakdowns during a few of our episodes, so. She's back, baby. I'm back. I'm feeling ready. <laughs> I'm good. But I knew this would happen. I have, like, I actually caught up earlier today, but I had so much editing to do and so much work this week that I was like, I knew I was going to go from nothing to for six weeks to like a slam schedule which yeah. is exactly what happened but there was no transition like there couldn't have been a transition like ease just, into that yeah it was what it was and um i fit people in when they needed to and when they were ready and willing i made it work even if they have roots and uh here we are so it's <laughs> glad to be back i like threw that in even if they have roots well, a couple um, of the women clients I have, especially the moms, are like, oh, I can't do it yet until I can get to a hairdresser. I'm like, I understand. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I, I respect that. Yep. Um, my, I'm try, I've been trying to think of a crappy pretty much the whole time you were sharing, which is, I guess, is a good thing. That is good. But I would say, like, the first thing that came to my mind is there's been a lot of cockroaches in our house lately. Ours too. And I hate it. Ugh. Like... Twice in the last two weeks, Michael and I have been like in bed and he'll be like, close your eyes. And I'm like, what is happening? And there'll be like a cockroach on the wall and he's like getting up to kill it. So that terrifies me. And we just think that there's going to be some bug just scattering across us while we're sleeping, which is disgusting. So we need to get an exterminator. I have two happies. 
one, we had our first in-person soul class yesterday, and it Ooh. just brought me life. Yes. It was so good for my soul. <laughs> um, so that's one. <laughs> we're, we're getting back into some sort of a schedule, although, although less classes and still doing virtual. It's just, like you said, a little bit of normalcy. Yep. This is my major happy, though. <laughs> okay. So... Melody, she's a friend of ours, and I listen to a podcast called Your Favorite Thing. Have you heard of it? No. It's with Wells Adams from Bachelor Nation. Wells Adams, he was the bartender in Bachelor in Paradise, and he was on JoJo's season. Okay. Um, and Brandy Cyrus is his co-host, who is Miley Cyrus's sister. I do know who she is. Okay. So basically, their podcast is just like, they just, it's called Your Favorite Thing, and they basically just talk about all the things that they're watching, reading, listening to that mm-hmm. week. And it's, it's really funny. Like, mm-hmm. it's basically a comedy show. Um, and they probably have, because of Bachelor Nation, like, tons of listeners. And because of her, you know. She's Miley Cyrus' sister. Right. She's low-key famous. So, anyways, they held, like, a happy hour, a Zoom happy hour on Friday night. Oh, and you guys got on it. Okay, so, yes. <laughs> I did see that. So, Melody show. and I were like, well, let's... Let's be together since it's the the thing is up. So we went. I went to Melody's house and we. I brought my computer. She had her computer. We sign on early at the same time. We make a cocktail. Not gonna lie, we might have had two just for liquid courage. <laughs> and we're like freaking out. We're like trying to write our favorite things down because you basically the only hundred people could get into the Zoom call, and then from there they would individually let people in, like unmute people to talk. Right. Okay. So we're like, we're not even going to make it into the 100 people that just get in randomly. Right. So anyways, we end up getting in on Melody's computer and we freak the freak out. We're like, oh my God, we're in. So we're like hearing them talk. Brandy's internet's pretty bad, but she's there too. Wells is like on fire doing his podcast thing. We can see other little people in there. And Melody's, this is how we get in. in. Melody's friend from, I think, college is now the assistant to Brandy's assistant. Okay? So the assistant to the assistant. Interesting. Okay. So she's in the Zoom call picking who gets in. God ordained, let me tell you. <laughs> Melody texts this chick and is like, me and my friend are in the Zoom call right now. Can you let us in next call, next thing? She's like, oh, yeah, for sure. And we were like, oh, my God. <laughs> to them, like, freaking out. So then... Next thing we know, this he signs off this other girl, and our screen, our faces are big on the screen, oh and we're like, oh, "Are we in? We're in." And she's Melody's probably listening right now, just like being like this psycho. But it's so true. We were we were so starstruck, and the best part is like we made Brandy and Melody laugh. Like we had really witty conversation with these celebrities and like they said our names and I don't know I just felt for the first time in my life like <laughs> I could actually be a reality TV star your dreams which are coming you know through. is my dream yep. and also it was kind of one of those moments where I was like stars you know they're just like us yep because here we are just talking about making them laugh making them laugh we're talking about outer banks we're talking about dishwashers I mean we just talked about so many random things and I'm just like these are just normal people yeah so needless to say it was one of the best nights of my life (laughs) because it's I haven't really met a lot of famous people in my life so this is like the closest I've ever come yeah um to fame and I just feel like I'm one step further our hope now is that 
they were recording it is that now that's their next podcast episode, but I'm not sure if they're going to like release it as a podcast, but if so, that means we're going to be on their podcast, like as a guest. You have to send me the link if you are. Oh, for sure. I'll send you the link. I'll send (laughs) timestamp. I'll post it on my Instagram. Yes. And so the reason, sorry, I'll be done in like two seconds, but the reason that um, I got Melody to listen to this podcast is because I think that she looks like Brandy Cyrus. She does a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And she also sounds like her. Like they talk very similarly and kind of use the same like phrases and stuff and Mm -hmm. their voices sound like. Anyways, about a year ago, I texted Melody and I was like, you got to listen to this podcast. You are Brandy Cyrus. And she was like, really? So she got obsessed with it. So one of our like ways of connecting with them was I got Melody to listen to the podcast because she looks like you Brandy and Brandy was like oh I can't see her my internet is so bad and Wells was like I can see them yeah she does look like you Brandy and I was like confirmed and then I said (laughs) and then I said yeah and Wells everyone tells me that I look like you too so it's perfect (laughs) and he laughed he like went back in his chair and I was like I'm funny so then Brandy was like oh shoot me a DM with Melody's uh Instagram and I'll sleuth her. And I was like, I'm about to DM Brandy Cyrus. <laughs> she hadn't even looked at it yet. It yeah, hasn't even read. Yeah. Times. And Melody DM'd her too, like just in case and nothing. Well, so maybe one day. That's our next step is the slide into the DMs. That but is great. It's incredible. What a day you guys had. What a day. That's amazing. And then we made two TikToks because we were all just like on cloud I saw nine. That. It was yeah. pretty funny. Because we were like, well, if we're going to be famous, then we might as well have some content for people to look at to right. get to know us. You're just like on a roll. Yeah. This is just the very start of something new. <laughs> it truly is. Um, so, yeah. Oh, man. Well, that's um, awesome. I'm to, so happy for you Thank guys. you so much. I'm happy for us, too. <laughs> Um, well, today on the podcast, we have Rebecca Trammell, who is a local Wilmingtonian that uh, we've both never met in actual real life. We yeah. met on Zoom today, still social distance that, um, but she has, she's an activist and she is, she's doing a lot of big things in our community and beyond, but we didn't even touch on all that. What we talked about was her um, journey with anorexia and how she got through that and Um, where she's at today. So I think you're really going to thoroughly enjoy and be encouraged by this episode, whether body image or um, disordered eating is something that you struggle with. I think everyone can find a connection to this as a woman. So absolutely. So we hope you enjoy and bye. (laughs) Bye. Hey y'all, we are going to take a quick break from our interview right now to tell you about one of our amazing sponsors, And that is Ritual. If you're anything like us, which I'm sure you are since you listen to this podcast about whole body wellness, then we believe that doing the right thing to keep our bodies healthy in the long run is the way to go, which is why we love Ritual. Because even if you try really hard to like eat really well, we've talked about this a lot, we're still most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients that we need on a daily basis which is where Ritual comes in because it's an obsessively researched vitamin specifically for women. Hey, soul sisters. So Ritual's essentials have the nutrients that most of us don't really get enough of from food. And it's all in their clean, absorbable forms with no shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. It's easy to take. It's sent straight to your door. Hello, best part. You don't have to think about going to the store to buy it. 
All you do is put in your subscription every 30 days. It is at your door with a new refill. Hello, easy. That is my way of life right now. So I love Ritual personally because I really know that I don't get all of the essential vitamins that my body needs from food. And also, I feel like a lot of the vitamins I've taken in the past have been um, maybe like left a bad taste in my mouth or haven't really had the best like after effects where Ritual is really easy on my stomach. Um, and it also smells like minty fresh. So it doesn't have that gross stench that some vitamins smell, which is my favorite part. And then also it's so much easier on my stomach after. So let me tell you about what's in these Ritual vitamins from D3 to Omega-3. This essential for women fills the gap in a woman's diet with no nausea capsule design, and it gives you that gentle stomach feel, especially when you have an empty stomach. So it's a little mint tab in every bottle. It keeps things fresh. Not only does it keep your body fresh, keeps your breath fresh, am I right? So you don't get that fishy aftertaste like I talked about, like you get from other vitamins. So better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. You can fill in the gaps too in your diet with Essential for Women by Ritual, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. We are all about healthy foundations for our bodies, ladies. So visit ritual.com backslash soul, S-O-L-E, to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com backslash soul. Okay, now back to our interview. All right. Well, we are here with Rebecca Trammell. Um, and Rebecca was actually linked to me by my husband, Michael, who met her at Tech Mountain here in Wilmington. Um, and after he met her and kind of heard her passion for body image and for women and her, um, her role in activism in this community, he was like, you have to have this girl on the podcast. So this has been a long time in the making and we are so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm excited too. <laughs> awesome. Well, we um, kind of just want to give you the time to kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and let our listeners in on um, Rebecca Trammell. All right, cool. So I grew up in Wilmington and I moved all over the place and came right back. Um, I am a community organizer, uh, an advocate, public speaker. And I um, basically find out uh, who, who doesn't have a voice and I raise my voice on their behalf. And so um, I'm the president of Champions for Compassion. It's a nonprofit I started in my mom's memory. And uh, we remove obstacles to substance abuse recovery, remove the stigma, promote professional development, and restore hope. And uh, I also am the, uh, the founder of community conversations, and we fight for equity and excellence in public education for all children. Wow. No, you don't have a plate or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like super free, lots of free time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tons. And all, all my free time, I start more projects because, you know, why have, you know, a normal life? Yeah. So you seem, you definitely seem like a, um, like a go-getter, a doer. Have you ever taken the Enneagram test? Yes. Actually, I didn't even have to take the Enneagram test to know who I was or what. <laughs> what number? I, I was an eight. Really? Eight. All day. 
Oh, yes. Yes. I'm strong. I'm a challenger. Yes. I'm like, okay, so that's wrong. And we're going to talk about it. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Let's not talk about it. Like, oh, no, no, no. We're going to talk about it. <laughs> yes. I love that. That's what makes a great podcast. Um, so you kind of talked about this organization you started on in behalf of your mom. Can you kind of expand into, into the details of that? Yeah. So, um, my mom was a substance abuse counselor at Coastal Horizons for 23 years. Okay. She started the intensive outpatient program and she, um, she was just a real hero there. Um, people, um, just loved her. And unfortunately in, um, 2012, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and by January of 2014, she was gone. And, um, when she passed away, um, they, in a great way, we had never planned for her to die in a sense. We, I was very determined that every single day I was going to honor her life by living in the moment and there would be time to mourn her later. If that was to happen and if God was to heal her, then hooray, you know? So, um, when she passed away, uh, January 17th of 2014, um, two days later, my brothers and my dad and I were sitting up in uh, my brother's man cave and we were supposed to be planning her memorial service, but instead of that, we planned Ruthie Trammell's Champions for Compassion. And we decided that we were gonna do those four things. <laughs> remove the stigma, remove the obstacles, promote professional development and restore hope. All of that happened. Uh, January 19th, 2014. Wow. Then we got around to the memorial service, right? <laughs> because, you know, first things first. And my mom was young and um, she had so much more to do, so much more to give. But um, that, that torch got passed to us and I'm running with it. Yeah. With it. Well, and, I, I know that she would be so proud of legacy living on through you and what a way to like remember her years to come you know thanks that's awesome i got this cool bling all of us like we we made um a jewelry line oh cool um, which i know the podcast people can't see but you could see if you went to championsforcompassion.com just saying plug. But, like <laughs> um i i have all of this cool jewelry and it, every piece tells a story and, um, and I think that's really important to keep telling the story because, um, that's how we overcome. Like, you know, one bracelet is, um, called breaking the chains of addiction. The other one is called Beatitudes because <laughs> try to remember those Beatitudes, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need all the reminders I can get. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> this, this butterfly necklace is called metamorphosis because my mom believed that anyone can change. And um, it's, a, it's kind of an allusion to um, 2 Corinthians 5.17, where we can become new creations and old things can pass away and all things can become new. I personally experienced that in my own life. And these, uh, my earrings are about legacy. It's circle of life. So, you I know, everything's a story. I love the story that um, you're wearing right now. And you kind of, you mentioned a, a few seconds ago about how like, we need to keep sharing our stories in order to like bring light into darkness. And I know that when Michael was telling me about you, he was obviously really 
drawn in by your story um, and your past eating disorder because that's what I've been through. And so I kind of, our listeners, we talk a lot about protein and we talk a lot about whole body wellness, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, um, just being connected and all of that and having a healthy mentality around it. So I kind of want to hear about your journey and your relationship with your body and how you've seen yourself and food and everything in between, if you don't mind just diving in on that. Okay. Gosh, where do I start? Wow. (laughs) It was such a, like a slippery slope, I'd say, you know, for me, it it didn't happen all uh, overnight, you know? Um, I, I became an anorexic. I was anorexic, severely anorexic for three years, um, between 18 and 21. And then, um, I spent a couple of years, um, kind of like, I would say having like just eating disordered behavior. And then I kind of like fell off the deep end and landed myself in rehab. But like when I was, I mean, it started so young. It was almost like those little seeds of you're not enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not, um, like there's something wrong with your body. By the time I was eight years old, I think I went by my first diet when I was maybe 10, Hmm. you know, and it was a very restrictive diet. And, um, my mom was dieting and her friends were talking about dieting. And this was before, you know, I don't think they realized like little ears are hearing you. Yeah. Like, you know, when you talk about what you look like in your bathing suit and like you need to do a crash diet. Well, you know, that eight-year-old is looking at her body saying, thinking, well, I think you're really pretty. So like, well, what am I? Mm. And so, <clears throat> um, so yeah, I, you know, and it's like the things that women talk about, like grown women talk about in front of little girls, like, you know, um, celebrating weight loss and and stuff like that you know we're so much more than what we weigh Mm -hmm. and our beauty is so much it can't be measured by what's on that scale um but what we talk about really matters and so anyway i um i guess at like 15 i started eliminating food groups and at this point i was a cheerleader and so obviously there's like a emphasis on what I look like because I'm not even wearing a lot of clothes going to school, <laughs> you know, so there's no, there's no hiding mistakes. Like the mistakes, whatever it is, is on display. Yeah. So, um, realizing that I was seen and like, you're only one of, you know, maybe 25 girls in the whole school wearing this uniform. So it's like a lot of attention on my body, but, um, so yeah, I started eliminating food groups and then by 18, um, I just had a a full blown eating disorder. Um, and a lot of that was just, um, stress, not knowing what I was going to do next after I graduated and feeling like I was totally, I just didn't have any control. And so it really, at, at the point where before it was just like dieting, wanting to look better it was about self like body image. But then when it, but when it, when I added the fear factor of what am I going to do next, 
then I just, and I had like a lot of things I was angry about too. It was like a perfect storm. I decided one day, I was like, I'm just not going to eat because I don't have to. Hmm. This like, this is something I can control in a world of unknowns kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And all of a sudden, full blown anorexic. And I didn't realize what I had done really for a year and a half. And um, it didn't hit me like this is a problem. It was just like, I want to lose weight. I don't want to eat because I'm controlling something and it feels good to have some sort of control. And, you know, I'm getting attention, right? Because for whatever reason, we give a lot of attention to people who achieve this crazy thing, you know? And so um, to the outside world, like I've never looked better, but to on the inside, I was never worse off and nobody knew that. And I didn't realize that I had lost control because I mean, it was all about control. And then at some point I realized I had lost control and eating was no longer a choice. It was just not an option. Hmm. And, um, you know, like it's not TMI because we're all women. I'm sure listening to this, but like I stopped menstruating pretty much. And, I was like, hold on a second. What am I doing? What's going on? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I decided I had to go to a doctor. And um, my, at this point, my best friend had figured out like, oh my gosh, Rebecca, you just, you just don't eat. And she's like freaking out. And I remember one time we went to a coffee shop and um, I was trying to convince her that I had eaten. And like, there's these two guys with us and, um, she was like, please tell her to eat. She doesn't eat. And I was like, yes, I do eat. She's like, well, what did you eat today? I was like, I had cheese sticks. There you go. And the guy looked across at me and he's like, boys and girls, can we say anorexia? And then I was like, oh, 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 <laughs> you know, and I never heard it. Yeah. It never, I mean, I, when I thought about anorexia, I thought about like the skeletal girls on the Oprah Winfrey show at the time, you know, I was thinking about, you know, not me, it's them, not me, it's mm -hmm. not me, but it, it never crossed my mind that could be me. And then I was like, hold on a second. Well, maybe it is me. And so then I went to a doctor and she was like, you're definitely anorexic. Wow. And so uh, I think that like kind of like ripped the deni denial off of it, but you know, I think that a turning point came, like there were lots of little turning points and most of them happened through relationship, which is like part of the hardest thing about, I felt like with anorexia was that um, it forces you into isolation because you're trying, like I was trying to avoid food at all costs, which means I'm avoiding people because people actually eat, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, but most of them happened through relationships with, with friends who would tell me the truth, like you're, you're our, you're you're in danger and so um gratefully um and i say this is grateful i i really am grateful i hit rock bottom hard and like i i was shattered in a million pieces and i realized i could not put my life back together again like there was no two pieces that would fit and um, I realized that I was going to die. 
I mean, is this care? Like, we're talking, I mean. Yeah, no, I kind of want to pause, though. Like, this is awesome. I just kind of want to know, like, if you don't mind sharing, what happened or was there a specific scenario or situation in your life where you realized this is rock bottom? Like, how did you realize this is, this is kind of rock bottom here? Well, I mean, <laughs> for one, I was definitely unhealthy. Mm-hmm. My blood pressure was on the floor. Um, I was freezing cold all the time. I couldn't go out even if I wanted to because I was so sick. And um, I mean, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even work. Like, I mean, it was just kind of like my life really kind of came to a standstill. I was really, really lonely and um, afraid and angry at myself. And, um, you know, it was like, it's a consuming emptiness. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I had been raised in a Christian home and, you know, I was like, this isn't working. None of the stuff that I was learning all my life is working. Maybe it's not even true. I don't know. Like, it's not working for me. Like, there's no difference between me and anybody else. I mean, you know, like, what, what's, what is the deal? You know, I just felt so alone. And um, I don't know how I even started doing this, but I started reading um, the prophets in the Old Testament. And um, I saw the character of God and the nature of God. And it was almost like at some point, I mean, I think I, I really was, you know, the thin veil between life and death for sure. And as I was reading the prophets and seeing how much he loves his people and seeing, you know, things like your walls are ever before me. I've engraven you on the palms of my hands. That's Isaiah 49. I was, um, reading in Isaiah 53, where he said he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our sins. And the punishment that could bring me peace was upon him. And by his stripes, I was healed. Mm -hmm. And things like from Jeremiah, where he says, you know, your wound is incurable. Yeah, I felt like my wound was incurable. (laughs) You sold your soul for nothing. Yes, I have. My soul is gone. You know, I can't get it back. And I realized he has a solution and he's willing to be a solution. And not just that, it was like he was willing to be my friend. And I was like, nobody wants to be my friend right now because my life sucks. (laughs) So um, he was willing to enter into that. And I felt like instead of just learning about things and reading about stuff, it was like the author of the Bible became real to me. And he was infinitely good and infinitely kind and infinitely loved me. And I just wanted him to love me. And so um, at that point, I really would say I fell in love with him. And meanwhile, I'm still ruining my life. And um, at some point, um, to not go on forever, it was like he asked me, would I give this to him? Like, would I give him this 
thing, would I give him anorexia? Would I give it to him? And my first answer was no. Mm -hmm. No, I won't. Like I need to watch this. I'm not going to surrender this to you. This is my thing. Kind of. I just couldn't imagine my life without it. Yeah. I can, how do I, how do I live without it? Cause it's who I am. It's, it's more than just something I'm doing. It's who I am. And it's like, I could not imagine my existence without it, even though I realized like, I don't have a life. Mm-hmm. So I was existing for something that was killing me, but I couldn't stop it. And at that point, I felt like he took a step back and he was like, okay, all right, so that's your God. Hmm. And I felt lost for the first time in my life, like completely, absolutely empty and totally lost. And, um, and I, I had to come to grips with, you know, what lordship really means and what surrender really means. And I missed him. I, ne- I knew I needed him and he felt really far away. And um, one day, um, I mean, I went down a, like a really dark turn at that point. It was like, at some point I chose it. I was like, good, I'm going to die and I can't wait. And I'm going to die in anorexic and the sooner the better, because I'm tired of living like this. Hmm. And this is life. This is just existence. I'm existing for this disease. I'm a habitation for the disease and I can't wait to be done. And then um, at some point, uh, a friend of mine brought up the Bible again, and he asked me to read. I started reading, and um, I think it was like Psalms 32 or something like that. Anyway, um, at some point, I realized I don't actually want to die, but I'm not sure I want to live. And then another few steps later, it was like, okay, I don't really want to... Like, I want to live, but I don't even know how. And so, but one day, um, like, I just wanted to, I just wanted to live. Like, I just didn't want to, to take up space anymore and feel the way I was feeling and feel like just separated from life. And so I laid down on the floor and I just said, God, if you want my life, you can have it. But if I have to live, you have to give me a life of purpose. And you have to give me your life. And if you do that, I will live every day the rest of my life for you. And like, I got off the floor a completely different person. And I wouldn't say that like I got rid of my eating disorder. But what I did get rid of was this. I got rid of being one with the disease. Like anorexia was me and I was it. And at that point, there was a separation. And it was like, no, actually, I don't want you. And it was great to have that kind of severance, that divorce. And um, it wasn't always easy. Um, three, three years later, I did end up in a residential um, facility. But I went in not as an anorexic, but as a daughter of God with an eating disorder. That wanted to get rid of it. Yeah. I think what is so beautiful and cool about your story is the evolution of it like like from start to finish is exactly why we started this podcast and speak to so many women on this 
important topic because everything from, you know, you starting out saying that our, our words have such meaning right from the point where you were eight years old, the words you heard your mom or friends speaking st stayed with you all those years. And, you know, as women, like we're, we're being told by the media and society every single day that this is where our worst should be. And so many of us, obviously, unfortunately, your story hit this extreme rock bottom, but I think we all live little bits of piece and pieces of that every single day at the expense of who we are, at the expense of our health and our, and our sanity. And no one talks about the consequences of it. Like, especially I remember growing up, like, yeah, you heard of people not eating and celebrating losing weight. And it was like, that's just what they did. There was, there wasn't a narrative about it being unhealthy or that you could potentially die from it. Like it is absolutely insane to think about. And so the fact that you gave it to the Lord and he, and like, simply you living in truth, rooted truth is what got you out of that is the very story we, we want to tell women every single day because truth is what is going to set all of us free. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it was cool to hear in your story how you made a switch from like, this is my identity, like anorexia is my identity to I am a daughter of God who just so happens to struggle with anorexia. And it, but then when you, when you root yourself in the identity of I'm a daughter of the King, then you can overcome the thing that was once mm -hmm. your identity without mm -hmm. it. You can't overcome it. It's just consuming. So walk us through a little bit of like, uh, we've never gotten into this because I fortunately never um, went to like a rehab facility. What was that? Ooh, girl, you did not miss any good times. I yeah, no, thank God. <laughs> yes. I, I walk us through kind of just what, what that looks like, you know, what, what the narrative is that we don't hear as women. Like we hear lose weight, lose weight, lose weight. But what does the other side look like? The healing process like that. It was like sweated out. I mean, it was the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. And um, where I went, um, there were girls there for all kinds of things, not just eating disorders. And there's not one girl there with anything else who would have traded their space for a girl with an eating disorder. Mm. And I mean, it didn't matter if it was like, you know, drugs or whatever. They're like, eating disorders are just no joke. And just like the mental torment, like is, you know, just watching other people struggle. It's like, there's a reason why anorexia is the most lethal of any mental illness. And it is hard to get out of. It is not something to play with. It is like, if you think that you're, if you think that you're messing around with something, you know, <clears throat> and it's just still kind of a crash diet, bail, bail now, because, um, there comes a point in time where you cross a line in the sand and you can't get back and you have to fight yourself and this compulsive drive 
to eat, to, to not eat or to exercise or, or whatever. And you have to go to what I call big girl timeout. You get to stay somewhere where you cannot do what you want. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, I mean, in some ways it's signing yourself into jail. It's like, you know, like I'm voluntarily going to jail <laughs> and, um, I don't think, I mean, it was the program that I went to in all honesty, wasn't very structured for eating disorders. And like, um, they have the, at least at that time, they had a lot of room to grow and how to really treat them, treat the eating disorder well. But, um, it was, I mean, from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, somebody else told me what to do. And um, <clears throat> I couldn't run. I had to eat whatever everybody was having. And, you know, for months, I honestly threw my food away. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bet I got caught for that. But like, you know, it was, it was really, really, really hard. And um, I just remember one night, and I was there for 16 months. Wow. And you can't see your family unless they come see you um, once a month. You talk to your family for 15 minutes at a time on the phone um, over the weekend. Um, I just remember one day I was laying, like, just laying again on the floor in the bathroom because like we had to go to bed at um, 10 o'clock and at 10.30 it was lights out, but like I couldn't sleep and I was just like, God, if it doesn't get any easier than this, can you just do me a favor and take me home? Mm. I'm fighting for 10 months. Like, it's, I can't imagine living like this for the rest of my life. Did they like, did they like equip you or give you any, I guess, like tangible and practical tips for how to like, combat it you know do you know what i mean does that make sense yeah it wasn't it it was like um it wasn't set up like that and um at the time blue like the my insurance company even though um a physical doctor a psychiatrist psychologist my pastor everyone was like this girl is going to die Mm-hmm. They were like, eh, she's not sick enough. Really? And so, yep. And so they denied my parents, like, um, you know, access to things like Renfrew or something kind of credible in that regard, medically credible. And so I ended up going to a program that I'm, I'm grateful for it. It was free. Um, and like, I really believe that, you know, the heart is really good. But like, as far as at that time, was it? set up to be a, a skilled facility for treating eating disorders, it was not. And it did, it was harmful in that respect. But I remember the one thing that kept me there was um, knowing that, that there was no money, that there was no insurance that was gonna come and help me. Um, and realizing again, through a friend, like I needed to go to treatment and, uh, I must love the floor, more carpet time. I was on the floor, I was crying. I was like, God, I can't pay for what I've done. And he said, 
come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy. And at that moment, a ministry called me and it was a residential place and it was free and it was for, and I could go immediately. And so I was like, I'm there. And that kept me there. And as well as like, you know, when I was, you know, really struggling and saying, Hey, I can't do this. I really cannot do this. And, um, I asked him, you know, this was after like, you know, I was 10 months in and I didn't feel like I was getting any better. And, um, and I said, God, what if I just quit? Like, what if I can't do this? And I had music playing and I, it wasn't the words of the song, but there was just a strong feeling of him saying to me, I will keep right on loving you hmm. if you quit, if you quit. And I know what that means. And I felt like that, that unconditional love was what got me back up and said, I can do this one more day. Mm-hmm. I'll do it one more day. And eventually the calorie counter inside of my head turned off. Eventually I grew out of my clothes and had to run, go through that hell of an experience, but I got through it. And, um, I, when I finished, yes, it was so hard. And most of that work was just done, you know, just, I can't describe it. It was hard. It was kind of like, um, cold turkey, heroin withdrawal kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And, but I never went back, never, never. And some of it was because I'm like, see Rebecca, you're never doing that again. That was a one and done. You're never doing that again. And some of it was just, you know, the grace of God. And I would, you know, say that, especially like those first couple of years, like it wasn't perfect, but I was like, I'm cautious because of myself, but I'm confident in, in God and what he did in my life. And yeah, there's been many times that I could have relapsed. And honestly, it was like set up for me to relapse, but I never have. Hmm. Wow. That's, that's a praise right there. Cause I feel like the battle, uh, the, one of the biggest battles with those who have struggled with eating disorder is the battle of the mind after, um, because it kind of always creeps back in and tempts you to go backward, two steps backwards, even when you feel like you're moving forward. Um, so that's pretty amazing that he just kind of rid that for you. I mean, I think part of it was really that life exchange where I was, I'm like, I don't want my life. If you want it, you can have it, <laughs> but just give me a new one because this was busted. It's toe up from the flow up. So <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. This one's, this is a total loss. <laughs> so that was step one. But then also just like the process of ripping it out of my life. Um, you know, and through rehab and then also just, leaning in and and just every day saying um help me (laughs) you know and also I got to the point too like when I got out like I'm not like I said it was not perfect so I um I would tell people like you know what I am not eating very well and I need to go to lunch with you Mm, so that I can't yeah, I didn't want to go back. I'm like, this is for the birds. I've wasted enough time. Mm-hmm. So I started telling on myself, like, you know, 
um, yeah, I would, I would ask specifically for support. And what worked for me was eating socially because it got my mind off of eating. And there are times where, when, um, especially before I went to, to um, treatment, that I couldn't order off of a menu because it was too, it caused too much anxiety. And so I would ask somebody else to order for me. So I let other people help me. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I mean, we talk a lot about, especially in soul fitness, we talk a lot about how like one of the key components to, to healing or overcoming anything in life, whether it's an eating disorder or a relationship or financial struggle or whatever it might be, it typically, or we need community, like we need each other. So we need that, we need that level of accountability of, well, if you can't, if you don't have the strength to do it for yourself then let me do it for you because I I can help a sister out. And one of the terms that we um, as a podcast and just as women who are called to empower women that we champion is shameless living. So when I say this word shameless living or those two words together, what does that mean to you when you hear those two words? Shameless is like living boldly, you know, and not being um, like, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. It's okay. You know, so it kind of gives, uh, it's kind of a liberating concept too. And also like, why be ashamed to ask for, for help? You know, um, it's kind of a lie. It's a lie. Like every, somebody else has it together and I don't, that's where shame comes from. Oh, I shouldn't like talk about this because nobody else has a problem eating. Rebecca, why do you? <laughs> and it's not true. Like they might have a problem with something else, you know? And yeah, we gotta, we gotta just stop being ashamed. Um, and I found like that people were more than willing to help mm-hmm. more than willing because they cared about me and they didn't want me to like suffer. And what is so hard for me is so easy for somebody else. I mean, just Guy friends, I would just tell them, I can't order off the menu. So can you do that? Like, not my boyfriend, not my dad, not my brother, just a guy that I'm close to, a friend. You know, he did it. They would do it, you know? And it, um, it seems awkward. It might seem a little crazy at first. But, you know, if there are people in your life that watch you drown and you tell them, I need you to take me to lunch. It's like putting your hand up out of the water and they know where to throw you that life preserver and they're happy to get you. Mm-hmm. And they've been waiting for you to ask, <laughs> you know, like yeah. they're sitting at the edge of the boat with the life jacket and you're just splashing around facing the other way and they're waiting, you know? Yeah. I mean, every time like it was, and honestly, like, I realized how terrified everybody around me was. They were like, this girl is, is just like a train wreck. She's like running a million miles an hour and she's two inches from a brick wall. And um, I just now look back on it and I just think about how scary it was for other people to watch me do that because 
you know, whatever I do, man, I do it a thousand percent. And if I want to wreck my life, I'm going to do it a thousand percent. And so, um, it was honestly, um, I look back and I see how much people really loved me and I probably wouldn't have seen it that way before. That's beautiful. So where are you at now with, um, how you view your body? I'm happy. I am like happy. <laughs> and I thought that, you know, and truthfully, I don't regularly exercise. I mean, I walk, you know, but I don't have to like, I'm not running around like the skin cold caliper and, you know, hitting the, you know, um, scales and all that kind of stuff. Like I don't do all that. Um, and I won't say like, it never crosses my mind if like the number doesn't look like what I want it to look like. But like if I go to the doctor's office, but there's times where I still like way backwards and like, I just don't need to know that. It's okay not to know that, but my body, yo, I love my body. I have no problem wearing my bathing suit. I have no problem, you know, like, it's like, you, you know what I mean? Like I am cool with the skin I'm in. Um, I don't think that I'm ugly. I don't think that I'm fat. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with me. Um, yeah. I look in the mirror and I say, you're good, girl. You're good. <laughs> hey, man, I love that. <laughs> Such good truth. And like Michael brought this up today. He's like, wouldn't it be cool? Or what, wouldn't it be a good idea if you like set an alarm in your phone that like popped up every day at the same time and said like, hey, just in case you forgot, you're beautiful, you're enough or, you know, something like that. And, and just, be cool. wouldn't that be cool? But also just for you to like, or as women as a whole, whoever's listening to every time they look in the mirror, instead of first going to the idea of tearing ourselves apart and nitpicking what we don't like, what if we, the first thing we said was like, Hey, love you. <laughs> like, like all of you, you know, wouldn't that redirect yeah. our, our thoughts towards like love and truth instead of hate and, um, Lies. yeah, I mean, lies. thank you. I couldn't think of the opposite of truth. I was like, Meh. lies. Yeah, like I, it's almost like I think when you're in the throes of it, um, like you, it's like being that objective is difficult. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like somebody has to take your head and put them between their hands and say, "You have body dysmorphia," which means you cannot see. What, what everybody else sees, <laughs> your eyes are wrong. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, you're beautiful. Like, and I think being willing to like, that first step is like really just saying, I'm probably wrong mm -hmm. because I'm the one with anorexia. They are not, <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, or just like, you know, I, I think especially like when you finally hear God say, I created you. And one of my favorite scriptures became Isaiah 54. And it's still one of my favorites. And it says, your maker is your husband, the, the God of the whole, the creator of the whole world, you know, um, like the most powerful being in all the earth, the whole universe is my creator, my redeemer, my husband. And he did not mess up. Mm. He did not mess up. Like the world messed up. 
It's like, you know, like those filters, like, you know, like, you know, Snapchat or whatever, you know, it's almost like the world has put this distortion over our, our bodies, over our image. And if we could see who we really were, we would know that we really are beautiful. Mm. Hmm. I love that. He did not mess up. That's the quote right there. <laughs> yeah, when she said the world did, I was like, mm. he didn't mess up. The world did. I mean, amen. Yes. So. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, like all of life is just kind of like this process of realizing like how it's like this propaganda machine, like against us, <laughs> you know? Um, but yes, it's, it's really the real truth is that like, I was never ugly. I was never unlovable. Never. But you couldn't have told me that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, nobody's gonna want me. I'm ugly. Like I'm, I'm fat. I'm this and that. But like, the whole time I'm breaking his heart. He's like, no, no. Actually, you're the exact opposite. You couldn't be more loved if you tried. Like all of the, like first of all, I'm loved by God. Second of all, these people are chasing me down to love me. I can't even see him. Like. I think they're ruining my life because they're trying to make me eat. <laughs> really, they're trying to save my life. <laughs> right. You know? I, I once heard it put um, this way. I have no idea where I heard this, so don't ask me. But Oh, my God. My- oh. Uh-oh. Your computer died. I'll pause it. Okay, sorry, y'all. We had some technical difficulties, but we're back. Um, thank you, Zoom. Thank you, quarantine. Thank you, technology. <laughs> Um, but what I was what I was about to say was I heard someone tell me once that um, when they they said like imagine you're in an art museum and you're looking at this beautiful masterpiece standing next to the artist uh, who made the masterpiece and you're just like looking at it and you are just like Ugh, ripping it apart kind of like giving it all this like negative. Um, feedback and then all of a sudden you just take the painting down and you start stepping on it. And they're like, what you're doing to your, to yourself by like ripping apart the creation and like speaking down on who you are is exactly what you're doing in front of the creator, because he's always with you. Like he's always right next to you. And you're just like stepping on what he created. The beautiful, beautiful thing about our creator though, is that there's grace and there's no shame and we're always welcome back in. So like, we can't step on ourselves enough for him to love us any less. Um, and that, that, I don't know, I just loved that picture because it kind of put into reality of like, well, I would never do that standing next to the artist. Even if I didn't like the painting, I would never say anything bad about it, you know? Um, so it's kind of like putting ourselves in that place of, we have the creator of us with us at all times. And we should speak highly of this creation that he's made, you know? It's not- I mean, he is. He is like whether whatever we're saying or not, like he hasn't changed his mind about us. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Well, we have we have four questions that we ask every single guest at the end of the podcast, and we did not prep you for this because we wanted it to be super authentic. So um, <laughs> we are coming at you with the first question, which is, what is something that you are currently obsessed with right now? It could be like a TV show, a book, a podcast, some sort of food you're eating right now, a lot of, what is it? Social activism. 
<laughs> yeah, I eat, live, breathe, sleep, drink, justice. <laughs> well, that's, that's good. There's, we need a lot of that right now. Um, all right, second question. Uh, what is something that you are looking forward to within the year other than when this is no longer an issue? <laughs> hmm. Immediately, this is the craziest thing. Like, I just want to get a hug. Like, I haven't been hugged in like two months. I'm single, so like, and I live by well, I live with um, other people, but I'm like, y'all need to stay over there because I don't know where y'all been. So. <laughs> You're ready for hugs to be normalized again. Yeah. I want a hug. <laughs> that is the hardest thing, especially as like a hugger and like being someone who's demonstrative and affectionate like seeing people and being like hi it's just not enough it's weird it is weird no. what is yeah. um next question is what is something that you love about yourself um i guess i would say like i mean i guess it goes back to my obsession like you know, I really have a love for people and it drives me to, um, to action. So it was like, you know, Jesus was moved with compassion. So he did blah, blah, blah. You know, mm -hmm. I, um, I love it that, you know, when I see a need, I don't just sit there. I do something. So yeah, it's a good thing to love. All right. Last question. If you could leave telling women just one thing today, one little wisdom nugget, what would it be? You are truly amazing. Amazing. And if I had literally died at 21 um, in the throes of my eating disorder, I would have been like a rose that never had the opportunity to bloom. Mm. And there truly are seeds of greatness in you. And I don't even have to know you to say that because I know who made you and he makes everybody with seeds of greatness. And I encourage you not to give up and not to abort the mission because who you are is truly amazing. And right now you might be experiencing like, um, just barrenness, like nothing's good. There's no, um, there's no fruit. There's no life. Well, you know what? It might just be winter. Like if you think that you're losing the game, okay, well maybe it's halftime. Mm. Just stay in it. That's drop the so mic. <laughs> That's amazing. We're definitely, yeah. Drop that my girl. Um, we're so grateful to have been able to talk to you. And I feel like we could do like a whole other episode about the activism that you do. Right. So we'll have to have you back on yes. um, another day. But thank you so much for being, being a part of this for, with us. Thank you for the opportunity. I where, really appreciate it. Where can um, our followers find you? I know you plugged your website in the beginning, but um, maybe Instagram or where, what's the best way to reach you? Um, 
I am on Instagram. I'm Rebecca Trammell and I am on Facebook, Rebecca Trammell. Um, I guess that's probably the best place to find me. Awesome. Well, we will link that in our show notes. And again, we're so grateful for you and for the wisdom that you brought to the women and encouragement. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to see you guys. We'll have to like meet in person when this is no longer a thing. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, girl. All right. I'll see you guys soon. Bye.